Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Today is Sunday, September 29th, 2019. On this day in 1982, four people mysteriously dropped dead throughout the city of Chicago and its surrounding suburbs. In the days following, three more people died in a similar fashion, and the police raced to discover the cause of their deaths, poisoned Tylenol. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today we're covering the 1982 Tylenol murders. For unknown reasons, a deranged individual meticulously replaced Tylenol capsules with potassium cyanide and distributed tainted bottles to drugstores across the greater Chicago area. Ultimately, seven people were killed in this random act of terrorism, and the pharmaceutical industry was drastically changed. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Before we unpack the ramifications of the Tylenol murders, let's go back to September 29, 1982. The sun was just peeking over the Illinois horizon around 6.30 in the morning. Mrs. Kellerman was wrapped up in her covers as the light began to stream through her blinds. Her mind was slowly waking as she heard the door to her room open and the light footsteps of her daughter, Mary, approaching. She felt a hand touch her shoulder. She heard Mary's voice lightly call her name. She opened her eyes to see her daughter standing before her. Her daughter's eyes were red and her nose was runny. Mary mumbled something. Mrs. Kellerman asked her to speak up. Mary cleared her throat and spoke, her voice slightly raspy. Mary said, I don't feel good. I don't think I should go to school. Mrs. Kellerman sighed. She placed her palm on Mary's forehead. Her daughter felt a little warm to the touch, but not quite fevered. Mrs. Kellerman brought her feet out from under the blanket and placed them against the floor. 
She raised her arms up and stretched, the brisk morning air springing up goosebumps on her skin. She looked at her daughter and gestured for her to follow as she walked to the bathroom. She could hear Mary's feet dragging on the carpet. Either she was really sick or she had gotten incredibly good at acting. Now that Mary was 12 years old, it was hard to tell the difference. The cold tiles shocked Mrs. Kellerman slightly as she stepped onto the bathroom floor. With a yawn, she reached into the medicine cabinet and grabbed her brand new bottle of extra strength Tylenol. She had only bought it a couple of days earlier and she was glad she had picked it up. She opened the cap and looked at the capsules inside. Then she handed the bottle to her daughter. She said, take two now. We'll see if you're feeling better when it's time to leave for school. Mary took the bottle and nodded solemnly. Mrs. Kellerman knew that wasn't the answer Mary wanted to hear, but it was the answer she needed. After all, school was important. Mrs. Kellerman patted her daughter on the back, then went to the kitchen saying she'd make them both breakfast. Mary stayed in the bathroom to take the pills and drink some water from the sink. Mrs. Kellerman felt herself waking up more as she made eggs and toast. The food smelled delicious, the perfect thing to help a child with a cold feel better in the morning. She finished cooking around 7 a.m. and called out to Mary, breakfast is ready, come eat up. She waited a moment, but didn't hear any footsteps. She thought to herself that perhaps Mary hadn't heard her. Mrs. Kellerman made her way back down the hallway just to check. As she peeked into Mary's bedroom, she repeated herself, breakfast is ready, only Mary wasn't there. Mrs. Kellerman closed the door, then continued on to the bathroom. As she approached, she noticed something strange. Through the crack in the door, she could hear pained and rapid breathing. She placed her hand on the wood and slowly pushed it open, her own breath catching in her lungs. As she saw her 12-year-old daughter sprawled out on the ground, her eyes were bloodshot, drool was pooling out of her mouth, and her chest was spasming. Her breathing was short, pained, and rapid. The bottle of Tylenol had spilled across the ground, Mary's twitching limbs sending the capsules in all directions. Mrs. Kellerman shouted in fear and pain, trying to wake her husband. Call 911. Mary's sick. We'll further unpack the Tylenol murders after this. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. And now, back to the story. On September 29th, 1982, 12-year-old Mary Kellerman complained to her mother about the symptoms of a cold. Mrs. Kellerman gave her daughter extra-strength Tylenol to help with the pain, but the medicine only made things worse. 
When Mrs. Kellerman went to check up on her daughter, she found Mary sprawled out on the bathroom floor, barely breathing. She rushed Mary to the hospital where doctors struggled to save her. Unfortunately, they had no clue about what was wrong. Mary was an otherwise healthy young girl who was having extreme and sudden reactions. The cause was a complete mystery, and within only a few hours, the mysterious illness had claimed Mary's life. Doctors were bewildered by Mary's sudden death, but she was only the beginning. Later that same morning, a postal worker named Adam Janus fell ill and died in much the same way as Mary had. When Adam's family arrived at his house to mourn his passing, both his brother and his brother's wife took Tylenol to help themselves cope with their grief. Unfortunately, they both died just as Adam had around 5 p.m. that same day. Then, in several other parts of the city, three more women died of this mysterious disease. A 27-year-old woman named Mary Reiner collapsed in front of her husband. A 31-year-old employee of the Illinois Bell Company named Mary McFarland was found by her co-workers, unconscious in the break room. Around 9.30 p.m., a 35-year-old flight attendant named Paula Prince bought Tylenol in O'Hare Airport. Two days later, Paula was found dead as well. In total, seven people had dropped dead under mysterious circumstances all across Chicago. Investigators were initially baffled by the deaths, but a clever nurse named Helen Jensen was the first to notice something odd about the crime scenes. Each victim had complained about headaches before they started showing symptoms. She also noticed that each person had a brand new bottle of extra strength Tylenol present before they died. She was the first to suggest that perhaps these people had all been killed by tainted Tylenol. After testing her hypothesis, crime scene investigators quickly discovered that she was right. While a normal Tylenol capsule would have been filled with powdered acetaminophen, these Tylenol capsules had been tampered with. The harmless acetaminophen had been replaced with potassium cyanide, a potent and extremely deadly poison. Upon discovering the tainted Tylenol, Chicago police began driving down the streets, warning the public with their megaphones that their Tylenol was compromised. The police even swarmed drugstores and supermarkets, removing Tylenol from the shelves all across the area. After a thorough investigation, officers ultimately found three more tainted bottles. When Johnson & Johnson, the company that manufactures and supplies Tylenol, heard that their product was compromised, they immediately issued a nationwide recall. At the time, around 31 million bottles of Tylenol were on store shelves, and the recall ultimately cost the company more than $100 million. Johnson & Johnson immediately shut down their factories and began cooperating with investigators. After several inspections, 
Officers discovered that the tainted capsules had not been the product of a flawed manufacturing process. Instead, all evidence indicated that whoever had poisoned the pills had gone through a meticulous and painstaking process to sow terror among the people of Chicago. It seemed that the poisoner had purchased at least 10 bottles of extra-strength Tylenol, then painstakingly went through the effort of breaking each and every Tylenol capsule open and replacing the powder with cyanide. They resealed the capsules to hide evidence of tampering and traveled all across the city to discreetly place these poisoned pills back on store shelves. These poisoned bottles were purchased by unwitting victims. This act of murder was meant to be both widespread and random. It was cruel, unusual, and incredibly vile. Unfortunately, the random nature of the crime meant it was virtually impossible for investigators to find a suspect. None of the stores where tainted Tylenol had been purchased had security cameras, and none of the bottles had distinct fingerprints on the surface. The killer was both meticulous and careful. They had left no evidence behind police would look into several possible suspects, but ultimately the crime would go unsolved. However, even though the deaths of these seven people would never be avenged, the country was quick to learn from this awful crime. Johnson & Johnson resolved that their products would never be used to kill again. At the time, all over-the-counter medicines had been sold as capsules. Additionally, the bottles had no protective seals to indicate whether they had been tampered with. Anybody could reach into a bottle of Tylenol on the store shelves and tamper with it. To fix this problem, Johnson & Johnson invented the tamper-proof seal, a thin layer of foil to cover the opening of the bottle. Now, the average consumer could simply look at the seal and know if it had been opened before they bought the package. To add another safety measure, Johnson & Johnson also did away with drug capsules entirely. Instead, they began manufacturing their over-the-counter medicines as solid tablets. This way, replacing drugs would be much more complicated for any would-be tamperers. As Johnson & Johnson adopted these safety measures, the Food and Drug Administration began enacting these safety policies nationwide. They required all drug manufacturers to follow in Johnson & Johnson's footsteps. By inventing these new safety measures, Johnson & Johnson revolutionized pharmaceutical safety nationwide. The Tylenol murders of 1982 will never be forgotten. While the killer will never be caught, it is comforting to know that this horrific crime can never be committed again. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on the Tylenol murders, listen to our episodes of Unsolved Murders on the topic. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find all episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, 
But now, Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carrie Murphy, Maggie Admire, and Travis Clark. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Giles Hovseth. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 